everyone, welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast, where we explore important topics in the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Anne Hui. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Justin Kerr, a neurosurgeon and author of a collection of short stories, The Space Between the Raindrops. If you haven't already, take a listen to our first part of our interview, where we discuss the themes of his short stories. What you said, as in you're a bit of a doctor and you're also a bit of a writer. Yeah. So... Do you still write, like right now? Um, write very short pieces off and on, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, to get my mind off work. Or actually, sometimes it's the opposite is that it might be something that um, some patient I met um, in the course of my work, you know, that uh, made me reflect and, and think up upon uh, uh, something. So, so for example, I wrote this one piece um, called the Memory Biopsy. It's it's not in it's, it's, not, it's not in the book. Okay. Uh, it was published in the Straits Times oh. a few years ago, and um, it's it's essentially about uh, me and my consultant uh, doing a biopsy on a patient who who was um, who was a very senior doctor in Singapore. Uh, and who was uh, a mentor, uh, not just to me, but to, to my boss as well. So I was trying to, I suppose, capture this um, very poetic and, and he- heroic idea of you know, tradition being passed down from one generation of doctors uh, to the next. Because when I was a house officer under this uh, very uh, senior doctor, you know, we—I I don't think any either of us would have, you know, really imagined that, you know, in a couple of years' time, uh, we would be doing a craniotomy on him to do uh, to do a brain biopsy. Yeah, and and that piece also sort of explores, um, I suppose, the very the very literalness of the act of uh, doing the biopsy you know we're sort of wading through uh, this person's uh, neurons and memories and and I think in the piece I was reflecting on like you know so where, where is the part that holds the memory of you know me being his house officer mm. uh, things along those lines so I, I do write short pieces uh, off and on but um, nothing very ambitious mm. uh, so far going back to the book mm-hmm. and you said you wrote as a medical student so and okay, as someone who likes to write I, I think that the writing isn't the most time consuming but I think the editing is the most right. time consuming yep. but where you have to so called kill your babies like mm-hmm. your favourite mm-hmm. sentences which just don't fit into the story and so I was wondering when you were compiling this collection of short stories or yep. was it intentional or was it unintentional you just like write stuff and then decide to put them together in a book or and if you have a writing process, what is it like? Because mm-hmm. I remember reading somewhere that Chekhov, who himself is a doctor, would like write in between patients. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's crazy. La. Well, I, our clinic is too busy to write between patients. <laughs> so my, my own process is that usually um, I encounter or suddenly think of some juxtaposition and, and an idea comes up that I think might... Uh, uh, might be unusual so I, I sort of just mentally note that down 
uh, and I just let it uh, ruminate in my head. You know, quite often I'll encounter a second or, or third incident or, or experience that may that may contrast or even lend itself to exploring the, the first initial idea. Mm-hmm. So, sort of based on that, then uh, I'll have usually I'll have the first line in my head already. So just just the first line. And then after writing down the first line and with this um, amorphous flow of ideas at, at the back of my mind, I just you know just start with a blank screen and see where it goes from there. Yeah, then, you know, like you said, the editing process, um, it is time-consuming, but I don't find it laborious at all. Mm, because okay. um, you do have to kill your babies, but I find the act of you know shaving off all the unnecessary, unnecessary things it's, it's a little bit gratifying I mean, it's a bit like taking a tumor out like all this uh, uh, things that shouldn't be there yeah. are, are excised yeah i think um when i was reading your stories some of it you can tell like a doctor wrote it because yeah. like no one else speaks like that like in watch this yeah so and then you wrote on inspection yeah um, he looked at the watch, something, something, something. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that, that really sounds like what we recite in physical examinations. Like, But but I mean, aside from that, um, I, I note that like not all your stories have like a distinctly medical um, topic. Mm-hmm. Like in fact, I think it's like in the minority of it. And so I guess it seems like it's, you start your writing with like an idea yeah. as opposed to like a real plot or like a real like, mm-hmm. character in mind. My, my question right now is, so how much of your how much of your writing do you think is inspired by your medical work? Personally, I think that medicine is a very fertile ground for ideas because yep. you see human beings every day at the most vulnerable or at the most joyous. Um, so yeah, maybe you could reflect upon. Yeah. That. Um, I, I probably I take one step back and I and I would say that as a writer, I'm just I just find unusual ideas and then I try to mine them for. Uh, for a story mm. or join them to a second idea so I mean that initial seed of an idea can come from something medically related uh, or it could be something that I just happen to read about in the papers it's, uh, and it could be completely random so an example of um, something medically related would be the story um, open reduction internal fixation right so that came about from orthopedic posting where we had to fix this 100-year-old lady's hip. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, that in itself is a bit unusual, right? And, and people would say, oh, yeah, it's like I've never seen what, what hun- a 100-year-old bone looks like or feels like, right? So, I mean, that is the initial, I suppose, hook of an idea. And then uh, from there, I, I just try to think back, like, you know, you know, what have these bones really gone through, right? Uh, and then again, back to the very literal metaphor, the sort of technique I use, you know, because uh, we know the physiology of bone formation and you know, continual recycling and resorption um, that happens in medicine. So, if so, for example, an I, one idea was um, if our skeleton, the, the literal substance of our skeleton and our physical bodies are, you know recycle every I don't know every few years you're literally a new person every few mm. years right yeah so like what 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 are the implications of that mm. yeah so th- that's sort of my writing process where I, I take a seed of an idea and then just try to follow it through you know mm-hmm. to its sometimes very literal and sometimes it gets nowhere 
uh, but sometimes uh, you get a story out of that, mm. right? Then something non-medically related would be um, the story uh, of a memory, the one that's written all in binary and all in oh, binary yes. numbers. I mean, so, so that was uh, a story that was just based on, um, I think, a random news article. Uh, I don't know, Straits Times or new paper article that 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 said that you know, every HDB block or or most of the public places in Singapore uh, will have a, a CCTV um, to to monitor you know people for uh, for our safety for crimes and things like that. You know, it sounds a bit Orwellian, but. You could you push the usual you know Orwellian angle on it, saying that you know we're such a we're such a big brother sort of society, um, but the um, the route I chose was that if if all these cameras uh, could each um, capture you know a snippet of our lives, you know could they could you form almost like a movie or a narrative uh, out of those uh, individual like CCTV images. So uh, in my head, uh, I imagine that somewhere in police headquarters, you know, there's this massive screen of uh, hundreds of these cameras, their video feeds being displayed at one time, and there's just one single, perhaps uh, liberally educated uh, policeman who's like watching this and you know, know, making a movie of this uh, in his head, or maybe not just in his head, but maybe literally, Mm. yeah. Thinking about your work is like it, it kind of draws like the interconnections between um, people or places or times which are very distinct from one another. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, like in there's one story which is with uh, Pablo Neruda, yeah. um, his line mm. um, Tonight I will write the saddest line, yeah. Um, yeah. and how that could link to a, a event in like a terrorist bombing. Yeah. And, like who himself is a writer, yeah. um, so it's like the the interconnections between stuff, and something which um, I was wondering is, I, you can disagree with me, but um, I I feel like in in medical school at the very least, I feel like you're you're discouraged from thinking about other things. Um, as I've spoken to like some doctors, like when I was trying to do this year out mm-hmm. of medicine, that you shouldn't do it because people would think you're not as committed to medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think as a result you kinda like stop thinking about the world beyond the hospital walls. Yeah. And you kinda stop thinking about um maybe like where your patient is from even, um, or what kind of life they live. And and so, um maybe could you um talk about how you kinda kept that part alive, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like your, that imagination about the world beyond the hospital. I think in whatever school or whatever country you're in, there'll always be the majority of people telling you, no, let's just do it the old way or, mm. or you know, don't lose uh, focus from, uh, you know, from this, uh, this uh, tried and tested uh, route. Uh, I think that's that's natural. I think people are usually conservative and um, and yeah, not receptive to change. That it's like, and I, I I suppose to get over that, you need to get used to 
to going up against them and to get used to being discouraged and see see where that leads you I suppose that's that that was my own experience uh, and uh, and I highly recommend it okay yeah because I remember in university uh, I used to I just happened to read a paper on like uh, DNA computing and I remember harassing my biochemistry prof uh, during his like 9pm office hours on like you know how could we do this and things like that mm. and and um, all credit to to like some of these American professors that they are quite open to the idea even though they may you know gently hint that you know maybe you shouldn't waste your time on this yeah. and, and stuff like that so in, in the same vein you know people there will always be a large number of people telling you to you know to read, uh, to read your, was it Robin's Robin's pathology yeah. again, uh, things like that. Uh, I suppose you should because you want to be a competent doctor, right? But uh, well, I think you should always uh, explore because ultimately. Yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to Third Spacing the podcast, where we explore important topics in the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Anhui. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Justin Kerr, a neurosurgeon and author of a collection of short stories, The Space Between the Raindrops. If you haven't already, take a listen to our first part of our interview, where we discuss the themes of his short stories. What you said, as in you're a bit of a doctor and you're also a bit of a writer. Yeah. So, do you still write, like right now? Um, I write very short pieces off and on, mm-hmm. you know, just... Uh, get my mind off work or actually sometimes it's the opposite is that it might be something that um, some patient I met um, in the course of my work you know that uh, made me reflect and, and think up upon uh, uh, something so so for example I wrote this one piece um, called the memory biopsy it's, it's not in it's, it's, not, in it's not in the book uh, it was published in the Straits Times oh. a few years ago, and um, it's it's essentially about uh, me and my consultant uh, doing a biopsy on a patient who who was um, who was a very senior doctor in Singapore uh, and who was a, a mentor uh, not just to me but to to my boss as well. So I was trying to. I suppose capture this um, very poetic and and he- uh, heroic idea of you know tradition being passed down mm-hmm. from one generation of doctors uh, to the next. Yeah. Because when I was a house officer under this uh, very uh, senior doctor, you know, we I, I don't think any. Either of us would have, you know, really imagined that, you know, in a couple of years' time, uh, we would be doing a craniotomy on him to do, uh, to do a brain biopsy, yeah, and and that piece also sort of explores, um, I suppose, the very, the very literalness of the act of uh, doing the biopsy. You know, we're sort of wading through uh, this person's uh, neurons and memories and. And I think in the piece I was reflecting on, like, you know, so where, where is the part that holds the memory of, you know, me being his house officer, mm. uh, things along those lines. 
So I, I do write short pieces uh, off and on, but um, nothing very ambitious mm. uh, so far. Going back to the book, mm-hmm. and you said you wrote as a medical student. So and okay, as someone who likes to write, I, I think that the writing isn't the most time-consuming part. I think the editing is the most right. time-consuming yep. part. Where you have to so-called kill your babies, like your favourite mm-hmm. sentences, which just don't fit into the story. And so I was wondering, when you were compiling this collection of short stories, or yep. was it intentional or was it unintentional? Did you just like write stuff and then decide to put them together in a book? Or mm. and if you have a writing process, what is it like? Because mm. I remember reading somewhere that Chekhov, who himself is a doctor, would like write in between patients. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's crazy lah. Well, I, our clinic is too busy to write between patients. <laughs> so my my own process is that usually um, I encounter or suddenly think of some juxtaposition and, and an idea comes up that I think might, uh, uh, might be unusual. So I, I sort of just mentally note that down. Uh, and I just let it uh, ruminate in my head. You know, quite often I'll encounter a second or, or third incident or, or experience that may that may contrast or even lend itself to exploring the, the first initial idea. Mm-hmm. So sort of based on that, then uh, I'll have usually I'll have the first line in my head already. So just just the first line. And then after writing on the first line and with this um, amorphous flow of ideas at, at the back of my mind, I just you know just start with a blank screen and see where it goes from there. Yeah, then you know, like you said, the editing process um, it is time consuming, but I don't find it laborious at all mm, because okay. um, you do have to kill your babies. But I find the act of you know shaving off all the unnecessary, unnecessary things it's, it's a little bit gratifying I mean, it's a bit like taking a tumor out it's like all this uh, uh, things that shouldn't be there yeah. are, are excised yeah I think um, when I was reading your stories some of it you can tell like a doctor wrote it because yeah. like no one else speaks like that like in watch this yeah. so and then you wrote on inspection yeah um, he looked at the watch, something, something, something. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that, that really sounds like what we recite in physical examinations. Like, but, but I mean, aside from that, um, I, I note that like not all your stories have like a distinctly medical um, topic. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, I think it's like in the minority of it. And so I guess it seems like it's, you start your writing with like an idea yeah. as opposed to like a real plot or like a real like, mm. character in mind. My, my question right now is, so how much of your how much of your writing do you think is inspired by your medical work? Personally, I think that medicine is a very fertile ground for ideas because yeah. you see human beings every day at the most vulnerable or at the most joyous. Um, so yeah, maybe you could reflect upon. Yeah. That. Um, I, I probably I take one step back and I and I would say that as a writer, I'm just I just find unusual ideas and then I try to mine them for. Uh, for a story mm. or join them to a second idea. So, I mean, that initial seed of an idea can come from something medically related uh, or it could be something that I just happen to read about the papers uh, and it could be completely random. So, an example of um, something medically related would be the story um, Open Reduction Internal Fixation, right? 
So that came about from orthopedic posting where we had to fix this 100-year-old lady's hip. And so, I mean, yeah, it's that in itself is a bit unusual, right? And, and people would say, oh, yeah, it's like I've never seen what, what a 100-year-old bone looks like or feels like, right? So, I mean, that is the initial, I suppose, hook of an idea. And then uh, from there, I, I just try to think back, like, you know, you know, what have these bones really gone through, right? Uh, and then, again, back to the very literal metaphor, the sort of technique I use, you know, because uh, we know the physiology of bone formation and, you know, continual recycling and resorption um, that happens in medicine. So, if, so for example, an I, one idea was... Um, if our skeleton, the, the literal substance of our skeleton and our physical bodies are, you know, recycled every, I don't know, every few years, you're literally a new person every few mm. years, right? Yeah, so like, what, what, what are the implications of that? Mm. Yeah, so that, that's sort of my writing process where I, I take a seed of an idea and then just try to follow it through, you know, mm-hmm. to its sometimes very literal and sometimes it gets nowhere, uh, but sometimes uh, you get a story out of that, mm. right? Then something non-medically related would be um, the story uh, of a memory, the one that's written all in binary and all in binary numbers. I mean, so so that was uh, a story that was just based on, um, I think, a random news article, I don't know, Straits Times or New Paper article that that said that, you know, every HDB blog or or most of the public places in Singapore uh, will have a, a CCTV um, to to monitor, you know, people for uh, for our safety, for crimes and things like that. You know, it sounds a bit Orwellian, but you could you push the usual, you know, Orwellian angle on it, saying that you know we're such a we're such a big brother sort of society. Um, but the um, the route I chose was that if if all these cameras uh, could each um, capture you know a snippet of our lives? You know, could they? Could you form almost like a movie or a narrative uh, out of those uh, individual like CCTV images? So uh, in my head, uh, I imagine that somewhere in police headquarters, you know, there's this massive screen of uh, hundreds of these cameras. Their video feeds being displayed at one time, and there's just one single, perhaps a uh, liberally educated uh, policeman who's like watching this and you know know, making a movie of this uh, in his head or or maybe not just in his head but maybe literally Mm. yeah thinking about your work is like it it kind of draws like the interconnections between um, people or places or times which are very distinct from one another Mm -hmm. like for instance like in there's one story which is with uh, Pablo Neruda, yeah. um, his line, um, tonight I will write the saddest line, yeah. Um, yeah. and how that could link to a, a event in like a terrorist bombing yeah. and like who himself is a writer. Yeah. Um, so it's like the the interconnections between stuff, and something which um, I was wondering is, I. You can disagree with me, but um, I I feel like in in medical school at the very least, I feel like you're you're discouraged from thinking about other things. Um, as I've spoken to like some doctors, like when I was trying to do this year out mm-hmm. of medicine, that you shouldn't do it because 
people will think you're not as committed to medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think as a result, you kind of like stop thinking about the world beyond the hospital walls. Yeah. And you kind of stop thinking about um, maybe like where your patient is from even, um, or what kind of life they live. And, and so um, maybe could you um, talk about how you kind of kept that part alive, you know, mm-hmm. you know like your, that imagination about the world beyond the hospital? I think in whatever school or whatever country you're in, there'll always be the majority of people telling you, no, let's just do it the old way or, mm. or you know, don't lose uh, focus from, uh, you know, from this... Uh, this uh, tried and tested uh, route. Uh, but I think that's that's natural. I think people are usually conservative and um, and yeah, not receptive to change. That it's like, and I, I I suppose to get over that, you need to get used to to going up against them and to get used to being discouraged. And see see where that leads you. I suppose that's that that was my own experience, uh, and uh, and I highly recommend it. Okay. Say. Yeah, because I remember in university, uh, I used to. I just happened to read a paper on like uh, DNA computing, and I remember harassing my biochemistry prof uh, during his like nine p.m. office hours on like you know how could we do this and things like that mm. and. And um, all credit to to like some of these American professors that they are quite open to the idea, even though they may you know gently hint that you know maybe you shouldn't waste your time on this yeah. and, and stuff like that. So in in the same vein, you know, people there will always be a large number of people telling you to you know to read uh, to read your was it Robbins Robbins pathology yeah. again. Uh, things like that. Uh, I suppose you should because you want to be a competent doctor, right? But uh, well, I think you should always uh, <laughs> explore because ultimately um, uh, you need to find your own niche in life, mm. uh, be it in medicine or in, uh, in, in, in other areas. Mm. Because I'm, I'm sure being a doctor is not the totality yeah, for sure. uh, of, of your life, right? Yeah. Right. I think I remember hearing in an interview... Um, um, by author of the House of God, mm-hmm. um, and he he said that when he was going to publish the book, yep. he didn't want to put his real name yep. onto it. Um, and I I I, I can't remember. Someone else said that as a as a doctor, he was afraid of putting his real name on a collection of fiction that he mm-hmm. put he wrote. And 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 I think like. Um, it, you're, you're quite open about it like in your um, the author by which your first line is Justin Kerr as a medical doctor at NNI yeah. so I was wondering were you afraid of like putting your name on your literary works mm, no to be honest that, that never that never them, right? yeah that thought never rose because mm. this is uh, simply who I am I'm someone who tries to write short stories and I'm someone who tries to you know take out brain tumors at the same time okay yeah, so it's not really an issue. I I don't see myself as a hundred percent doctor. I'm I see as myself as a hundred percent me, and you know, mm. part of that is is writing. Part of that is uh, doctoring, and and I think both uh, both 
you know, people like to put like art and science in conflict with each other. When yeah. I, I don't think I think it's a false dichotomy, mm. right? I, and how many times have you heard that? You know, this this medicine is more of an art than a science, right? Mm. So you need definitely you need the scientific rigor uh, uh, and the principles in what what you do, not just in medicine, but I think in life in, in general as well. Uh, and at the same time, you need the a reflection to know why you're doing something mm. uh, and and I think that's that gives us the empathy to treat our patients as as like true human beings yeah. mm. uh, I went through this phase you know like when I was at MO you know our calls here used to be very bad mm. um, uh, for neurosurgery uh, and you know you, you get like 10-20 emissions a night and you know, clocking them used to be quite sure. Uh, so my way around it was uh, I would try to find out the uh, interesting story behind why they came to hospital. So instead of the uh, the drunk who came to hospital yet again, uh, I would um, I suppose my small act of rebellion would be to take an unnecessarily detailed uh, <laughs> medical history on on the fact that uh, he had been celebrating his forty fifth birthday. At this KTV lounge in in this place, and he had exactly, you know, uh, four glasses of uh, Martell and you know two vodkas before collapsing onto the floor and knocking the right frontal part of his scalp. Mm. Yeah. So right. So I just I suppose that's my way of saying to find you know the humanity in the seemingly onerous tasks that we have to perform. Mm. Yeah. Then I as an I, I understand that you um, you didn't and you say like oh this is like hundred percent me. Yeah. But I was wondering, have you ever had backlash from your colleagues or your bosses who, um, I mean I think it can take many forms, right? Like even, um, maybe like unnecessary attention for your writing and how might that that might have affected your work, um, or your your. Personally, I've never had anything negative. Um from my bosses or colleagues uh, about uh, about my writing and I would I would say the opposite actually the opposite is true that not only you know have they been uh, encouraging about it uh, but uh, having written a collection of short stories has also opened uh, many doors in some ways that you know okay everybody's a competent neurosurgeon right but how do you stand out from that or what's this unusual thing about you all these competent neurosurgeons have published Right, but not everyone has published a collection of fiction. Mm. So, and sometimes when we've had some, you know, distinguished neurosurgeons come visit NNI and stuff like that, um, there have been a few occasions when uh, the book was given to them as, as like a present. Yeah, so I, I think uh, rather than closing doors, um, writing has opened many. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's that's reassuring to hear. <laughs> yeah. Maybe let's just have like one last question then. Okay, one thing which I hear a lot from my classmates is they want to do XXX, whatever it is, like running or climbing a mountain or whatever it is. And, and they seem to like, to, to only do it when maybe they receive some sort of like accolade for it or they only do it um, during the elective time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if, and I, I do know a lot of personal friends who... Um, want to be professional writers yeah. or have published poems yeah. um, in local press like 
and I mean I think I think I think you talked about this a bit already. Um, but I was wondering if you could have any last words of advice for medical students who want to write seriously, like as a like a published author, not just a. Well, I think should just do it. I mean, this collection of books uh, of fiction I have it started out as a sort of a blog post thing for me. So um, I mean, I mean, I re- I, essentially, I was the only audience because I would just you know reread what I, I wrote. Uh, so I'd say that you just have to do it because, as as I mentioned at the start of the, our conversation, is that we don't have enough time. Yeah, you you might have a tumor that will manifest as a seizure later tonight, you know, or you might have a hemorrhagic stroke in two weeks' time. You don't know, and I suppose the last uh, grat I don't know gratif less gratifying is the right word to use, but um, the the less happy part of our work is that we deal with a lot of young patients. Uh, deal with um, phantomal pediatric brain tumors and uh, young patients who come in with various types of strokes and you know you know one they are literally you know like you and me or, or they're well they're healthy they hang out with friends uh, post things things on Instagrams uh, then the next minute they're in ICU with a tumor in their mouth so if I have any wisdom at all to impart in in uh, my years is that we don't have enough time yeah. to end off do you have any future plans to continue writing for yourself uh, yeah so um, I'm writing some short pieces for various uh, literary journals uh, then hopefully when I finish my exams then uh, a bit more time to to write another book yeah. oh. What's it gonna be about? Can you give us a teaser? I'd like, I'd like it to be a memoir of my, my training years, but uh, of the past seven years. Um, but uh, there are a lot of embar- embarrassing incidents, so that I might need to write it under a pseudonym. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Doctor Carl. Okay. It's fantastic talking to you. Bye.